You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Gateway Church, and thank you for being here. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm the lead pastor here, and I am excited in particular for today. Uh, today is Pentecost Sunday. Everyone say Pentecost Sunday. And it's rooted in Scripture. It's, uh, uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit today. But it's interesting, in our SOAP reading, uh, our Bible reading plan, if you're following along with us, today we found ourselves in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. And at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, it talks about the Holy Spirit, which is the series that we've been in, Discover the Holy Spirit, and Pentecost. And it says the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. It says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now just look around, look around behind you, next to you, side, look in front of you, of course. Uh, We're here together in one place, right? And then it says, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came, filled heaven, uh, from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated, came to rest on them, and they all were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And that is where we look back and we say, all right, there was Pentecost. Uh, and then they, from that point on, we look back to that moment as a a significant moment in church history, and we celebrate that moment today. It's going to be an exciting day, no doubt. Now, as I mentioned, we're in a series on the Holy Spirit, and we started uh, the series saying, hey, we want all that God has for us. How many of you are hungry for what God has for you? Come on, let me see your hands. Yes, I hope that's every single one of you here. You're in the right place if you are here saying, I am hungry for what God has for me. And we've said that we want to move to a new level. We want more of God in our lives. And so in order to do that, we need to discover. And so a couple weeks back, we started the series and we talked about our natural limits can only take us so far. And then we've got the, 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 uh, the natural level, and then above that, there's a ceiling, is God's realm. And the Holy Spirit takes what's from heaven and breaks through to the natural, and he does that through his gifts. And last week, we un- unveiled the first three gifts, the, the power gifts, the gift of healing, the gift of faith, and the gift of miraculous powers. And we believe in these things. We believe that they're active today in our uh, day-to-day. And the, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the next two sets of three. Uh, but today, we're going to focus on Pentecost. We're going to focus on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And in order to do that, uh, we, uh, we brought in a special guest, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I need to stay on my notes here. Um, I've, it's been a good week. I'm, I'm excited about what God's doing. But uh, pause for a second before we get to our guest that's going to help us today. We have a follow-up from this morning, this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. We're calling it the Discovery Night, and it's going to be a phenomenal time where we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning, and we're going to hear Pastor Bobby's testimony in regards to the baptism in the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, Bruce's, Rachel's, and mine, and then we're just going to open up the altars and see what the Lord does. It's going to be a powerful night. June 12th, that's this Wednesday, 7 o'clock. We want to invite you, your entire family out for that. And then also, along the way, Um, I have been referencing a book by Tim Enloe called Goodbye Chicken, Hello Dove, and the subtitle is awesome, especially if you are unfamiliar with the Holy Spirit or if your faith tradition didn't highlight the Holy Spirit like we have been doing. It says, releasing your fears by welcoming the Holy Spirit's power. And a great practical book. It's going to help you to grow. It's going to help you in your understanding. And uh, there's a few thoughts in here that you've seen over the last couple of weeks for sure. Um, but we, uh, someone came to me last week after the message and said, hey, if that book would be a blessing to our church, we'll buy them. And I was like, really? Okay. And so we purchased copies this week. They're on the tables out back and they are your gift. 
and they, if you're hungry for the Lord, you're saying, man, I'd like to know more about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's power, we want to make sure that you grab a copy. If we run out, which we might, we will order more and maybe even have them by Wednesday. Uh, they got them to us super quick, and so we just want to make sure that you're aware that these are for you. Grab a copy on your way out for sure, and I think that's the last thing before we introduce our guests. So, when you have an issue in your body, an ailment, and it's serious, how many know that sometimes just your normal doctor is not enough? Where do, what do they do? They refer you to a specialist. That's right. Well, when it comes to the topic of the Holy Spirit, as we were sitting as a staff and praying over this series and saying, you know, God, what do you want to do? One of the thoughts was, let's bring in a specialist in regards to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And Rachel, uh, who's on staff with us, she said, hey, there's a guy at our school, Brian Lidbeck, who has just received his doctorate in, uh, in this area of the Holy Spirit and did his study on the Holy Spirit. And he has been used in regards to the baptism of the Holy Spirit in particular. He said, she said, hey, let's see if we can bring it. And so we prayed about it. And we said, yep, this, I, we really feel like this could be the Lord. We reached out and really it was short notice. I mean, we're talking just several weeks back. Um, and Brian was available. And he is the dean at North Point College in Grand Rapids. He's a theologian. He's got a great mind, but he's very practical when it comes to the Holy Spirit. I had the privilege of sitting in one chapel service. Uh, I snuck in on a personal retreat day at one of the chapels at North Point, and I sat there and really enjoyed the service, and, uh, and he was talking about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and so I had some context there. We reached out. I talked with Brian, shared with him kind of what we're doing here in this series, and it is our privilege and our honor uh, to welcome, and I want to give you this book. I already gave it to you earlier. It's got a little note in there. This was his copy. I don't want to forget, otherwise it'll get lost. So that's for you. But let's give a great, warm welcome to Brian Ledbeck. Thank you for being here. And church, are we ready to receive all that God has for us? Amen. The floor is yours. Thank you very much. What a joy to be here today. I am so excited to see what God's going to do in our midst. Amen? This is going to be a lot of fun. Pastor, I appreciate so much the invitation. I appreciate the good spirit that I sense here in this church and love your staff. And I've known uh, Pastor Bobby a little bit along the way, too. And, of course, Rachel Nellis. You know, Rachel got me to do something that I had not done in a long, long time. So I do a little bit of ice skating now and then to get some exercise. And we went to the rink, and the, the rink had dried up because of technical problems with the freezer. And she was, she was going to go, and a couple of other students. And she said, well, why don't we go roller skating instead? Well, I hadn't done that since my 20s. So as you can imagine, that was at least 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, well, maybe a few more. <laughs> And uh, I'll tell you what, so she was pretty good on the roller skates, and I went around, and, but the next day, the next two weeks, my legs were just aching, so thank you, Rachel, for that experience, but uh, that was the one and only time in the last uh, <coughs> years, so that was, that was fun, though, but, uh, but uh, we love Rachel. My wife, Diane, here is, is with me, and she's uh, a great blessing to me a real prayer warrior and great uh, support in the ministry and co-worker. And uh, we pastored for actually 24 years in the Flint area uh, in Mount Morris before we took the position here at North Point in Grand Rapids in 2016. So just that's just a little bit about uh, where we've been. And uh, we're going to dig in today to Acts chapter 2. So if you have a Bible with you or whether that's a, a online Bible or a hard copy, what have you. I'd like to read the first 16 verses of the chapter. I happen to be reading out of the NIV today. And we're going to begin in chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to take a look at 1 through 16. And then we're going to go from there. 
The title of this message is, What Does This Mean? Everybody say, what does this mean? We're going to see if we can find out the answer to that question today. Here we go, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Parasites, Mosquito Bites, all the different nights. Uh, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, and here's our text, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And we'll pick up right there in just a few minutes, all right? I'd like to give you just a little bit of a background first about myself, my story. I was raised in a United Methodist church. It was actually a really good church. People loved Jesus. But I never learned much about the Holy Spirit and his empowerment. I learned to, to love Jesus there. I learned some good basics in the scripture, but I was never really taught much about the Holy Spirit. When I went away to college, I began at Michigan uh, Tech. And you have any tech graduates here or attenders? In the, we got a couple around here, okay. So I was at Michigan Tech living in the dorms there. And I roomed with a guy who was one of these Pentecostals. He was a nice guy, but a little weird. He spoke in tongues, he said. Okay, whatever. Well, I can, I can deal with that, I guess. The problem with this guy was this. He was not content to have this experience with the Holy Spirit that he had had and me not have it too. And so he insisted that I needed that too. Well, I knew my Bible pretty well and I could actually argue from the scriptures better than he could. But he was just convinced I needed this experience. And I, I just wasn't sure at all that that was even biblical. And yeah, I saw it in the Bible. I mean, we just read it here. It's in Acts 2. But that didn't mean it was for me. I mean, yeah, it happened back then and to those people. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad for you. <laughs> so stay away from me. But, but, you know, I'm a pretty normal guy. And I was frightened of this experience. I thought, if I go opening my life up to this experience, who knows what's going to happen to me? Some kind of demon will come in or something. It's amazing the crazy thoughts, you know, that you have about this kind of thing. And so I had these fears. I wasn't, I wasn't persuaded biblically that this was even something that I should have. But he was insistent. So one night, it's 2 in the morning. And I'm on the top bunk, he's on the bottom in his little dorm room. And I'm laying there and I'm trying to sleep. And all of a sudden, he pops up, and that big head of his is staring me right in the face. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he says, Brian, you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, oh, we've been round and round about this. Whether I do or I don't, I don't need it at 2 in the morning right now. Go back to sleep and let me sleep. One day I walked in the dorm room and he was on the phone and he was giving his family a summary because they were all praying for me and interceding that I would be baptized in the spirit. And I'm like, stop it. I don't need you doing that. <laughs> what happens if it happens? Your prayers might be answered. He was, that was really scaring me. So in any event, we went round and round about this all, all year. I did not end up being baptized in the Holy Spirit 
at that point with his arguments, but it got me into the scriptures to really look at this and find out if this was really real or not. We were having these prayer meetings in the dorms, and some strange things begin to happen. We're praying along, and suddenly I began to have this overwhelming sense of heaven in my life. And I'm like, uh-oh, somebody's <laughs> prayers are being answered. <laughs> and this began to happen, and one day I was driving uh, home from Michigan Tech. And I'm from the UP, eh? You probably, you probably didn't know that. And uh, I was driving home from Michigan Tech, and as I'm driving along, I'm so overwhelmed by the presence of God, it's like all natural strength just left my body, and I had to just put my arms through the steering wheel to get the car to the side of the road and, and let God just bless me. Finally, one night, I'm kneeling beside my bed, and I'm praying, and I just said, Lord, I don't understand all of this, but I believe it's you, and if it is you, then I want all of what you have for me. And I just began speaking and praying in other tongues as I was praying. So for those of you that this is foreign to you, I completely understand. I get it. I have been in your shoes. I, was, I didn't grow up with this. I was afraid of this. But I began to realize that God had more for me than what I was already experiencing. And how many of you know you can never get enough of Jesus? There's always more. There's always more of his presence. And so I want to I speak to this issue today. And we're going to look at a couple passages here in just a moment. I want to point out one that was really a game changer for me to be able to open my heart to receive this experience. So here we go. You ready? What does this mean? Number one, it means your father keeps his promises. Everybody say, my father keeps his promises. Maybe your earthly father didn't always. Maybe your earthly father wasn't even the greatest father. Maybe you had a wonderful earthly father. But I want you to know that your heavenly father always does what he says he will do. He never says, I'm going to take you fishing and doesn't take you fishing. He never says, I'm going to buy you a car, but then when you turn 18, he doesn't buy you that car. He always keeps his word, and when he says, I'm going to pour my spirit on you, you know what he's going to do? He's going to pour his spirit on you because your heavenly father loves you, and he wants to pour himself into you, and he keeps his word. We have his promises in this book, in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And Peter begins to quote it here in verse 16, where Peter is preaching. And he says, These, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. This was prophesied hundreds of years before the time of Jesus. Jesus, however... Uh, comes along later on in Luke 11, and he repeats this promise. And by the way, this outpouring that we're talking about is not the same as coming to Jesus in salvation. An outpouring is an empowering experience. It's an overflowing. The disciples that were filled here already knew Jesus. They had been with him for several years. In fact, when Jesus ascended into heaven, you know what he did? The last thing that Jesus did they we're told in Luke 24 is the disciples are there and he ascends into heaven and he raises his hands like this and he blesses them as he's leaving. And he promises them that shortly the Holy Spirit is going to come and fill them. And then it says, and they worshipped him. When you're worshipping Jesus, you know Jesus. They had seen him already alive, raised from the dead. They saw the resurrected Lord. They ate with him after he was risen. They saw him ascend into heaven. Their response is they worship him. Clearly, they have a relationship with Jesus. But he says there's more to come. There's an outpouring. There is a filling. There is an overflowing of my presence that I want to send into your life. Hallelujah. So Jesus comes along and in Luke 11, and, and that's a chapter all about prayer and about asking your father for something. And he says this in verses 11 through 13 of Luke 11. Here Jesus builds on those Old Testament promises, and he says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? 
If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Again, in Acts 1.8, he tells them right before he's about to ascend into heaven, he says, just a little while here, the Holy Spirit is going to come. I'm going to send him. You're going to be my witnesses in, in Judea, Jerusalem, to the uttermost parts of the earth, to Samaria, all these different areas. And he, and he promises them again, and it's only a matter of days then, that they experience what we read here today. Because your father keeps his promises. If he says he will fill you, he will fill you. And notice here that, that it's called this experience of this outpouring is called a gift. Everybody say gift. Do you know what the requirement is to receive this gift? It's just to accept it. It's all you have to do is already be a child of God to receive from your father this gift. If he's your father, then get ready for the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's it. You don't have to run around the building a hundred times. You don't have to let somebody grab your tongue and start doing this. You don't have to do a bunch of weird things. You don't have to do some weird Pentecostal calisthenics. All you have to say is, Father, fill me. I want to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad you don't have to go through a bunch of legalistic regulations to be filled with God's presence? I am. It's so simple. You know, one day a young lady came up for prayer when I was pastoring. And she had lived a life of, of um, incredible sinfulness. Let's just put it that way. I mean, you name it, she had done it. She had broken all of the commandments. And she comes up, and after living this life, had just given her life to Jesus. Um, she comes up for prayer, and I say, what do you want? Now, I didn't touch her. I didn't do nothing. She's just standing there. I'm like, what do you want? I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, this is complicated because your background, you know. Mm, boy, you used to worship the devil and da -da 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 and all of this. I don't know. Okay, here's what we'll do. So I just said, be filled with the Holy Spirit, just like that. The power of God hits her, boom, wham, knocks her on the floor, and she starts speaking in other tongues. I'm like, ooh, that was cool. <laughs> I am surprised by the immediacy, the urgency, the, the desire of God to come and touch his children. I, he goes beyond my wildest expectations of what I ask him to do or think he can do or even plan. He is so eager to bless you with his presence. Everybody say, my father keeps his promises. He said he's going to give you a gift and he's going to give you a gift. And you know, I want you to understand something about this. In his giving this gift, the gift is actually the gift of himself. What he is giving you is himself. Let me explain this to you. Some of you here are married, or at one point in your life were, were married, and you remember when you got engaged. The day you got engaged, you made a decision to give more of yourself to that person. When you got married, you made an even bigger decision. You probably did this in front of witnesses and people, I'm sure. And you said, I am going to make it so that my life is an open book to this person and we're going to share everything. You don't have that level of sharing of yourself with everybody. You have that level with one person. Those of you, you have close friends, probably all of you do, or I would think most of you anyway, you have a close friend. You give more of yourself to that person than you give to other people. I'm giving a certain level of myself to you today just by coming and sharing my story. We have begun relationship now. If you come up to me afterward and you say, and you start talking and sharing your story, there we just have started a relationship. But how many of you know there's this level of relationship, and then that level of relationship deepens and goes this way, and there's different kinds of relationship. This is what I want you to understand about God giving you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of what we call the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When he gives you the Spirit, he's giving you more of himself. He is sharing a new dimension of his life with you. 
So not only is there this baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is a, it's an introduction into a life of empowerment at a new level, but that's not the end. It's a life that begins a, a relationship of more and deeper experiences with God and, and new manifestations of his glory and presence in your life. In other words, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's not the end. That's just experiencing a new dimension of the wonders of God. So don't be afraid. If you've come to know Jesus as Savior, and you can take care of that today if you haven't already, but if you've come to know him as Savior, then come to receive more of him and to know the dimension of his life, the empowering side of that life. So, Pastor, what you're really trying to tell me is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is to get more of Jesus. Yes. You got it. You know because of relationship that you can give more and you can give less. God has all kinds of things about himself that he wants to share with you, that he would love to share with you if you would just open your heart to be intimate with him. So this isn't scary. This is more Jesus. This is more of your father pouring his love into your life. How do I know that it's that kind of thing? You know, Language kind of has its limits, doesn't it? We talk about an outpouring of the Spirit. We talk about being filled with the Spirit. But all of that is language to say experiencing more of God's presence. It's hard to describe, really. It's a particular empowering experience. But you know those tongues that we saw? The first thing that have these tongues of fire, everybody say fire, come from heaven. What is that? You know, I trace that phrase, tongues of fire, through all of ancient literature. Uh, literature in the Greek world, literature in the, the um, Jewish world before the New Testament, what we call the intertestamental times. I, I traced it in the Old Testament. And you know what that phrase especially means among the Jews when it talked about tongues of fire? It always means the divine presence. Everybody say the presence of God. So what's with the tongues of fire coming down? That is God saying, my presence is coming to this group of people in a new way. Everybody say, I need more of his presence. Well, I thought God was everywhere. I mean, isn't he everywhere? All yes, but he is not manifesting his presence and his intimacy with everyone everywhere in the same degree. Yes, God is, God is at the bar downtown. But he's not there manifesting his glory. If he's there, he's there convicting. <laughs> but he is manifesting his glory here today to empower believers to tell people about Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Filled with the spirit, that expression in the Old Testament has associations with the presence of God coming on the temple. Guess who the temple is in the New Testament? It's you. It's we as a corporate body as well. That God is sending his glory on the temple. His presence on the temple. So it, it's the, the, the whole idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about the presence of God. So when Jesus lifts his hands, when he ascends, everybody do this. What is he doing anyway? You know, when Jesus goes up, he's not... Praise you, Jesus. That's not what he's doing. <laughs> Jesus ascending, praising Jesus? I don't think so. What is he doing? That's the priestly blessing. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, what, what do you mean? He just got done promising he was going to send the Spirit. Now he's raising his hands as he's ascending, and he's going to be enthroned to the right hand of the Father. What is he doing? He is saying, I am blessing you with my presence. As the great high priest... I'm declaring over you right now that my presence in power is going to come upon you as I send the fullness of the Holy Spirit so that you can witness about me. Wow! So even in his hand motions, he is blessing you with his presence. All right. You hanging with me so far? Just one more little story about the gift aspect of what does this mean that your father keeps his promises so had a freshman uh, class as I do every year and it wasn't too long ago actually 
this new freshman class came in, and of course, they're getting to know me, I'm getting to know them, and I just happened to be talking a little bit about this subject, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which basically that just means to be immersed in God's presence. It's figure of speech. We're not talking about water baptism today. And so I just mentioned it in passing, and I said to him, I said, you know, if you have not received this experience, next week in chapel, I'm going to preach on this. So we'll have a prayer time at the end, and if you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you just come over and I'll pray for you. And so this new young guy, and he's kind of a card, but he raises his hand, and he says, well, why can't we have it right now? And I'm like, duh, <laughs> I'm the professor, but duh, moment. Oh, you got to wait a week, you know, this special anointed service. <laughs> Everybody go, duh. Oh, that was mean. What are you doing? <laughs> no. All right. So, so I'm like, oh, okay. I said, all right. You don't have to wait till next week. Now, he's not even from a Pentecostal background or anything, but he had heard about it. He said, oh, I want that. So I'm like, okay. So I just wrap up the lecture in a, a couple of minutes, and I said, all right, come over here. We'll pray for you. I go to start praying for him. The students gather around. They begin praying for him. And in less than five minutes, he's filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. You don't have to wait till next Monday. Hallelujah. Some of you are probably thinking, but I've heard about this all my life, but I've just never been able. Listen, I know we as human beings are complex. I had to go through this process for my own self of getting this all, you know, to the point where I could just say, okay, I, I, can, I can do this. I can receive his presence now, and, and I'm okay. I'm not afraid anymore. I don't, I'm not afraid I'm going to get some kind of demon. He said there, you know, how much will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? He's not going to give you a snake if you ask for something to eat. You know, Pastor, I was just thinking, you know what I forgot today? I forgot to bring my rattlesnakes and strychnine. Oh, bummer. No, we're not doing any snake handling. You'll be happy to know. We're not weird. We're not crazy. We just want to be filled with Jesus. And we want to tell people about Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this young man, he was just filled. You don't have to wait. Some of you, you can be like me. You're just here today, and you may just go home this afternoon and kneel beside your bed and pray and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you can, be, you can, be pray, you can receive prayer right now, and in just a few minutes we'll pray. You can be uh, filled here. You can be filled sitting there in your chair while I'm talking. And we won't mind at all. Just go ahead and be filled. It's okay. Jesus is the baptizer in the spirit, not me. I'm just here as the mailman delivering the message for him. But he's the one who's going to touch you and fill you. Number two. Now these next few points are going to go a little bit faster. So put on your seatbelt. Here we go now. It means God's people are prophets. What does this mean? These people are speaking in other languages, and they never learn those languages. It means God's people are prophets. Everybody say, we're prophets. We read just a little farther in verses 17 and 18. In the last, God, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Now, that last line is not in the Hebrew text in the Old Testament. He added it on, and they will prophesy. It does occur the first time where it says in verse 17, your sons and daughters will prophesy. That is in the Hebrew Old Testament. That second one is not, they will prophesy. So what is Peter doing? He is repeating that line for emphasis. They said, what does this mean? And they said, oh, you guys are a bunch of drunks. No, 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 we're not crazy. We're not snake handling. We're not doing that. This is what was in the Bible prophesied. And it said there that your sons and daughters will prophesy. What he's saying is tongues is the equivalent of prophecy. Now, let's sink in for a second, and I'll explain it. Wait a minute. You're saying it's a gift of prophecy? No, I didn't say it was a gift of prophecy. I said it's prophecy. 
prophecy in the Bible is a bigger concept than just getting a word about the future or getting a special word for someone else. It means inspired speaking, inspired utterance. And it's a theme in the Old Testament. People are filled with the Holy Spirit, and you know what they begin to do? They begin to prophesy. It's not only in Joel, but it's also, for example, with Saul. Here's Saul, 1 Samuel 10, 10. The Spirit of God came on him in power, and he joined in their prophesying. See, it's simple. The Spirit comes, prophecy results. It's all over the Old Testament. I don't have time to go into them all, but here's another one. How about David? Remember King David? So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. From that day on, the Spirit of God came upon David in power. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue, he says in 2 Samuel. And the next time that we see David after the Spirit fills him, he is in the prophetic music ministry. What was he doing when he was writing those psalms? He was prophesying with music. So you see, inspired utterance results from people being filled with the Holy Spirit. So prophecy is this big concept. But within this big concept of prophecy, there's this specific New Testament kind of prophecy called tongues. It's inspired utterance. Everybody with me? In essence, then, what Peter is saying is God promised that he would make prophets of his people. Interesting. We see this in various places. I wish I had a time to just walk through all of them. But one of my favorites is in Numbers 11.29. Here you have the 70 elders, and uh, Moses is having a very bad day. Everybody's griping about not having anything to eat. Taco Bell is closed. Wendy's is closed. All the favorite fast food joints are shut down, and all they have is manna. And they're sick of it. And we want meat to eat. And Moses is sick of their complaining. And he says, enough already. And he begins whining to God. You put me here amongst all of these people, 600,000 men alone, and who knows how many other people after that. And here I am, and I'm trying to do your work. And it's not in there complaining. They don't like me. And everybody, everybody's mad at me because they have nothing to eat and do something about it. And God says, all right. You can't handle this. I'm going to give you some spirit-filled leaders to help you. And he pours out his spirit on these 70 leaders. And they begin, and as soon as the spirit comes on them, you know what they begin to do? They begin to prophesy. Now, there's these two guys in the camp that aren't part of the group there. And they keep on prophesying, and they don't stop. And so the Moses' young aide comes and says, Moses, you got to stop these guys because you're the prophet, and these guys are taking your glory because they're prophesying too. And Moses is like, oh. And he says, I wish that all the Lord's servants were prophets and that he would put his spirit on them. Now, you know what the ironic, funny thing about this is? Because I think part of what he's saying is this. If they had the Spirit of God on them, they wouldn't be whining. I don't think whining is a fruit of the Spirit. But in any event, he said, this is my dream. Don't stop them from prophesying. I wish they were uttering the truthful words of the Lord instead of all this whining. I wish that God would put a Spirit on them. Joel then comes along, builds on that, that statement of Moses, and says, in the last days, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Pentecost comes. The Spirit is poured out. People begin to speak in these languages they didn't know. And Peter says, there it is. There is a prophetic anointing on the lives of God's people. Did you know when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are baptized into a prophetic anointing? Hallelujah. Now, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be called to, be, to move in a gift of prophecy all the time. But it does mean that as you are what we call praying in the Spirit and praying in those unknown languages, that that is a prophetic type of activity you're engaging in. It means God's people are prophets. Here we go. Next one. It means Jesus is Lord of all people. 
Everybody say, Jesus is Lord. Well, how does it mean that? See, you have to read the rest of the chapter. Keep up in your Bible reading. You're right there today. You'll see what I mean if you go ahead and read all of this. But get this. Now, this is important. Why, of all things, tongues? Did they speak in tongues in the Old Testament? No. Why tongues? Because tongues represent nations. Say, what? You mean there's a logic to why God specifically gives them tongues? Yes, tongues represent nations. Tongues just means language, languages. They're speaking in other languages. They're speaking in the languages of these various nations because this empowerment symbolizes that they've been filled with the Holy Spirit to tell the nations about Jesus. Oh, and it wasn't time for that in the Old Testament yet. Exactly. So this is a New Testament um, an empowering and anointing to be able to tell people about Jesus. And the tongue symbolize that you have been filled to tell the nations of his glory. Hallelujah. It means Jesus is Lord of all people or all nations. Pentecost is the feast of weeks. Pentecost is a feast of, it's a feast of harvest for the nations to come in. Why did we have all of these mosquito bites and parasites people here? Why are they listed? I mean, verse after verse. Come on, the author here is Luke. Luke, could you shorten up the sermon? Peter, do you have to list all of these different nations? Yes, because that's what Pentecost is about, nations. Because Pentecost is about going to Dearborn on June 20th and telling people about Jesus. Because Pentecost is about the Great Commission, the harvest. And so the tongues are the symbol that you have been filled with power for the harvest. You live in an America that is not quite as open and quite as receptive in some ways and, and Christianized in a certain way as it was a few decades back. But you live in an America that needs Jesus, but you need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to break through the forces and powers of darkness and the grips on their minds so that they will repent and believe so that you can tell your co-workers, you can tell your friends, you can tell the people at school, and there will be a prophetic anointing on your life when you talk to them, and they'll come under conviction, and they will receive Jesus as Savior. Hallelujah. They will know him as Lord. So that's why you have these crowds from every nation. That's why you have these tongues. Then the key verse is Acts 2.36. Acts 2.36, go to chapter 2, verse 36. This is the most important verse in this whole chapter. Peter moves through his sermon talking about how Jesus has risen from the dead. The key verse is not Acts 2.4, it's Acts 2.36. Acts 2.4 builds up to 2.36. Look at the explanation. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and Christ. The anointed Christ means anointed one. It means when the Spirit is poured out, it means that Jesus is enthroned at the right hand of the Father as Lord of all. And if because he is Lord of all, he has poured out his Spirit so you can tell people that he is the Lord. He's the King. Glory to God. When you speak in tongues, you are honoring the King. When you witness in power, you are declaring his kingship over all nations. It's the pinnacle of Peter's speech. This enthronement at the Father's right hand where he pours out the Spirit comes via resurrection throughout the rest of the book of Acts. Whenever you see the preaching, it's always the preaching about the resurrection. It's always the preaching that Jesus rose from the dead. Why? Because the resurrection is a shorthand way of saying Jesus' enthronement to the Father's right hand. He comes from the grave, ascends to heaven, sits at the Father's right hand as Lord of all. And the Great Commission is to grab the, the people and bring them into submission to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you need the power of the Holy Spirit to engage in that ministry. Wow. Isn't Jesus beautiful? Only the one who is enthroned could exercise the divine prerogative to pour out the Spirit in fulfillment of the scriptures. 
one thing that I wish that I knew when I was in my 20s struggling with this experience and whether this is really for me is I wish I had known it was all about Jesus. I wish I had known it was all about him seated at the Father's right hand in beauty and glory. Because if I had just understood that, my fears would have just dissipated. That leads me to my next one here. It means Jesus receives the praise. Do you know what you, I know what you're saying when you speak in tongues. I do. Say, so what do you mean? You have interpretation? I don't need that. I already know what you're saying. No way. Yes way. Yes way. I may not understand exactly what you're saying, but I know what you're doing. You're praising Jesus. I am? Yes, you am. That's doctoral level grammar. You am. That's what you're doing. It means Jesus receives the praise, number four. It means Jesus receives the praise. Do you remember what we read there in verse 11? I slowed down when I read it. It says, and we hear them declaring the wonders of God. What are the wonders of God? It's the God who just raised Jesus from the dead. They are speaking in tongues and they are praising God and they are acknowledging the enthronement of Jesus Christ. Let me put it this way. Tongues, every time you actually see tongues in the Bible, it's always heavenward. Every time. It doesn't mean that there aren't other uh, things, you know, like a person can have tongues and there can be a message. I'm not saying that's not possible, but I'm saying in the scriptures, because, you know, I've seen that. I'm saying in the scriptures, it's generally praise to Jesus, praise to God. You mean to tell me that through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, when somebody starts speaking in other tongues, what they are doing is glorifying the exalted King Jesus seated at the right? That's exactly right. I know what you're doing. Did you know that every time tongues are mentioned in the New Testament, it's five different passages, Acts 2, 10, and 19, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Mark 16, every single time in the context you never have an occurrence of tongues without the lordship of Jesus Christ being specifically referred to. You are declaring the lordship of Jesus. We we'll say, ah, what if maybe I'm interceding? You know what you're doing? You are declaring that Jesus is Lord over that daughter. You're declaring Jesus is Lord over that situation with that lost son. You're declaring Jesus is Lord in regard to this sickness issue I'm dealing with. You're declaring that Jesus is Lord over, this, over these friends who, who haven't submitted to him. And you're bringing in, when you're praying in tongues, you are bringing in the Lordship of Jesus Christ to deal with that by declaring his praise and declaring his Lordship. He is moving into this situation and he's going to be Lord over whatever it is you're interceding about. But I'm here to tell you it's about Jesus, that tongues are Christocentric, centered on Christ, centered on our Lord. Don't be afraid with the Respond to the Holy Spirit and let that praise come forth out of you because you are praising King Jesus and declaring his lordship over the nations and over whatever situation you're praying about. Glory to God. If only I had known that. Why didn't you explain that to me when I was in my 20s? Where were you? So I'm going to return the favor and explain it to you now. Because I want you to enjoy praising Jesus. Notice the tongues are the result of the filling with power. They symbolize going to the nations, but they're not the primary purpose. The purpose is to exalt Jesus. It's to exalt Jesus. Whew, I'm just going to take my last couple minutes here. I just tell you a little bit more about my story. You know, I was already pastoring the Assemblies of God Church. I had experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget how surprised I was the change that came into my life as a result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
I walked into a youth center one day shortly after being filled with the Holy Spirit. And this, this friend of mine walks in and, and uh, another young lady with her. And immediately I start Jehovah's Witness, Jehovah's Witness, Jehovah's Witness. Start going through my head. And I'm like, what, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Can't get these words out of my head. Now, I don't understand this. I thought, it's got something to do with that girl that I don't know just walked in. And I went over and I said, can I talk to you for a minute? Are you a Jehovah's Witness? And she said, yeah. Now, I'd never met her before in my whole life. I didn't know her. I sat down, explained the gospel. She received Jesus Christ. That's how you deal with Jehovah's Witness and other, you know, uh, religions that aren't quite worshiping the Jesus we worship. Wow. Amen. So all of a sudden, these different gifts are starting to happen, so forth. But despite that, because of my background, I was still just real hesitant about a lot of the miraculous and so forth. Some friends of mine who were pastoring over near Mount Morris said, hey, we're going down to this revival in Pensacola, Florida. Want to join us? We were so badly in need of a touch of God. We were so just worn out already after only four years of pastoring and we were just so dry and empty we just said yeah we're going we didn't have any money we didn't care we just used our last penny to go down there just to get a hotel just to go and be in the presence of god now while we were down there <laughs> i was just so go oh, god touch me and people are being touched by the power of god everywhere they can't stand up under the power of God. They're on the floor all over the place. And just it, people are getting saved in mass in this revival. And it was just, oh, just incredible. And I'm just standing there and, oh, God, touch me, you know. And they come by and they pray for Diane. Now, Diane and I are generally fairly conservative people, you know. We don't usually go to church and do various kind of unusual activities. Other than, other than just praise Jesus a little power of God hits her, boof, out she goes, and she rolls up under the pew. And I'm like, you don't do that at home. <laughs> we go back to the hotel. She's laying there in bed. Oh, praise you, Jesus. You're so wonderful. I mean, she just, she's just out in the glory of God. I'm just like, and I'm just laying there, fuming. I, I drive all the way down here 18 hours. I come to this revival, I spend a lost penny, and God pours out his spirit, and he misses, and he hits her instead of me. <laughs> Want my money back. And I was just, she's just so full of God, and I'm just like, I'm not happy. I mean, I'm happy for her, but I'm selfish because I'm just sort of, I just, I just needed a touch of God, only I just didn't know how to get there. So we go back the next night, the next night, and I'm there praying, and okay, I'm going to go get prayer. Just waiting for the touch, you know. And this guy comes up, and he puts his, puts his hand right here, and he goes, Pshew! and I'm like, okay, what does that mean? What is that in the Bible? You know? um, see, I was still very, very, I couldn't let God just be God. I had to figure everything out. I had to analyze everything. Uh -huh, I didn't see that verse. I needed to lighten up. A great deal. I needed to get rid of some religion, to be honest with you, is what I needed to do. So, and he goes, Lord, knock the pride off of this man. Pride? I don't have any pride. What are you talking about? I'm as humble as they could be. <laughs> now, I didn't say that to him, but I'm steaming inside. I go back to the hotel. So wonderful. It was me. Pride. Tell me about pride. I came to a revival to get touched by Jesus, not to deal with sin. <laughs> Next night, Pastor Kilpatrick, pastor of the church, comes up. He comes by, lays hands on me. I don't fall on the floor. I don't have any weird manifestations. I don't do anything weird. I just stand there. But it was heaven just came over me. It was something changed. It's like something went out of me and somebody came in and filled me more. He comes by a half hour later after the, you know, the bodies are everywhere from people just being out under God's presence. 
By the way, don't, don't concern yourself with that. People just respond to God's presence in various ways. And sometimes it's so overwhelming, they just can't stand up. But that isn't the issue. The issue is what's happening in here. And it's that empowering and getting filled to, to do his work. That's, that's what it's all about. And so, and so he comes by and he looks at me and he says, he's going to pray again. And he looks at me and he says, ooh, you've already been touched. He saw glory on my countenance. When we got back to church that next week, we had this big concert schedule. We were going to have these three Christian bands come in for the New Year's Eve service that year. And, and uh, the Holy Spirit said to me, cancel all of them and have a prayer meeting. I'm like, oh, I can't do that. But I knew it was him. I canceled it. They didn't understand. I didn't understand either. We only had a handful of people. There were like six or seven people came to pray at, and at this particular moment. And I said, well, you know, we've been praying for a while. If any of you want prayer, come on up. And this lady starts walking up toward me, and she gets about there to where Pastor Bobby is. And all of a sudden, boom, and out she goes under the power of God. What's wrong with you, lady? I didn't do anything. And God showed up. And we begin to have the glory of God just like settle on our congregation. I can't really fully explain this, but the miraculous has been a normal part of my life in a greater intensity since that day. You know, the last thing on this list is what this means is Peter says, repent and believe and you will receive the promise of the Father. Can we stand together? I want you to know if God can find a couple of youper kids and touch them with his spirit. I want you to know he knows your name today. There may be those of you that don't know Jesus. There may be some of you that have been, haven't been living for him. One day, a lady came up for prayer, and she said, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I prayed for her. The power of God hit this lady, and she just went out on the floor. And, you know, sometimes I see that. It, that, that doesn't matter to me. But I kneeled down beside her, and the Holy Spirit said, tell her to forgive. I'm like, well, Lord, what if? I hope this is you, because what if she doesn't have any unforgiveness? But I'm like, okay. And I just whispered in her ear, and the Lord, and I just said, I believe the Lord wants you to forgive somebody. A couple minutes later, I checked back. She had released this person, this unforgiveness, and was speaking in other tongues, filled with the Holy Spirit. Let this be the day that whatever you're hanging on to, you let go of and grab Jesus instead. Maybe it's a relationship, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or something. They're not right with God, and you know that's not a healthy relationship. It's time to let that go. I don't know what the it is. Jesus, right now, we come to you, and we just thank you, Lord, for your mercy, love, and kindness. Lord, I don't know where everybody is at in this place with you, but maybe there's some today that really the reason they're here today is, first of all, to say, I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life. I need that first introduction. I need to be filled, yeah, but I first just need to know Jesus, and that, that's what I need to take care of. If that's you with our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, would you just raise a hand and let me know? I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise, okay? I'm not into that. But would you just raise a hand and say, Pastor Brian, would you pray for me? I'm not going to come get you or anything. Just raise a hand and say, that's me. I need Jesus as my Savior today. Is there anyone like that? Is there anyone that would say... You know what, Pastor Brian, I need to be filled with more of God. And the truth is there's compromise in my life. There are some things I got to let go of to make more room for God's presence. You're talking to me today. Would you just raise a hand and just eyes closed and just say, to be honest, Pastor Brian, that's me. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for several of you. Lord, I pray right now for these folks, Lord, to be delivered from any bondage or any hold of the enemy, Lord Jesus. 
help them to just let it go so they can embrace you instead. Just break it. In the name of Jesus Christ, as every chain breaks, is shattered right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now while the worship team here is just sort of leading us, and you just say, you know what, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, or I need to be refilled. Pastor Brian, it's been a long time since I have felt the touch of God. And to be honest with you, I'm like you were in that meeting. I'm pretty dry. And I need God to do a new work in my life. For some of you, perhaps, hey, I've, I've never been filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Listen, we're not going to do any weird stuff. We're not going to tell you to repeat after me a bunch of crazy stuff. We're not going to, we're not going to do anything like that. We're just going to say, Jesus, fill them. Okay, real simple. And Jesus is the one who will fill you with his presence. Why don't you just come and we'll lay hands on you and pray for you. Just come stand across the front here. That's you. Just say, I need a touch of God today or I need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Just come on right now and we'll, we'll pray with you, okay? If there's somebody here who you've been hesitant to come and get prayer for whatever reason you're, you're afraid just come sit up here, okay, so I can pray for you. Just, just come sit here. But don't be afraid. But don't leave without getting prayer. You've been, I get the feeling there's someone that you've been contemplating, should I, shouldn't I get prayer? For whatever reason, you've been hesitant. Just come sit up front. Yeah, just come on, just sit right here. Thanks. God bless you. Blessings on you, folks. Just come sit over here. Okay? You okay? Just come sit right over here by my wife. She doesn't bite much. Listen, I don't understand everything that God does and how all of this works myself. Like I told you, I'm at this great revival and I, I don't fall on the floor. My wife is rolling around and she doesn't usually do that. That's not it. This is about, it's about going after Jesus and getting more of him. Amen? So God bless you, Pastor. You can... You can just, whatever you need to do from here, thank you. I'm going to pray for these folks as we close out. And my wife will help me. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that the Lord, he meets us right where we are. He knows exactly where you are in your journey. He's right there with you. The Holy Spirit is working in your life. There's no doubt. You know, when I was a kid's pastor, we would pray for kids to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and it oftentimes would happen real easily. Uh, you know, we'd lay hands on kids, and we'd pray, and, and uh, kids would start to speak in tongues. I'm going to tell my story on uh, Wednesday night. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, it happened very easily for me. Uh, but what's interesting is there were a few times at camp we would be praying for the Holy Spirit to touch and, and kids would come back to their room and we'd give testimony times and there'd be a few kids that would be like, man, I, I was praying, I wanted to speak in tongues or I wanted uh, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be real in my life. And, and what I'd always encourage those kids is it can happen anytime, any place. And on more than one occasion, kids as they would be going to bed they'd be in their bunks in their sleeping bag and I would always encourage kids to fall asleep praying that helped with discipline problems and the Holy Spirit was just working <laughs> and kids would be filled with the Holy Spirit while they're going to bed and I just want to say it can happen as you're going down the street and you got the Holy Spirit playlist that we've got going, playing in the car, and you're just worshiping along, the Holy Spirit can touch you. He can touch you in the shower. He can touch you, uh, you know, in, in your comings and your goings. In the presence of God, it goes with us. We take it with us. And it's there's an empowerment that comes, and it's powerful. So there's no... To me, this is all about seeking more of Jesus. And these few moments that we've spent here is just the beginning for you. 
are just a continuation going deeper with the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you again. Lord, we sense that you're here. As we leave here now, Lord, I pray that you go before us, behind us, and all around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.